I speak to you to stay in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. I get very sentimental during Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is one of those rare holidays where uh, priests get to be normal, where they get to be with their family and cook a meal short of a pastoral emergency. And in a couple of days when it snows like this, uh, I really get in the mood of Christmas, other than the fact that it's not even Advent yet. So the church... Um, brings about an irony, if you will, in Christ the King Sunday where um, not only we can't celebrate Advent, first we are confronted with this gospel lesson. A gospel lesson that very much not um, what we would think about a Hallmark Christmas movie. A gospel lesson that makes us think and pause and ponder. On this last Sunday of the church's year, we are confronted with the parable of the sheep and goats. And also, we are given the message that Christ is our eternal king. But before we get into that, let's talk about some things that are in the air of the church in general, in the national church. In the Episcopal church today, there are two unpardonable sins, and they have something to do with the lessons today. Judgment and exclusion. A person may be forgiven of every high crime and misdemeanor imaginable, so as long as he or she embraces the new and improved combination of relativism and pluralism. In this religion for modern age, the only doctrine sometimes is be nice, and the only discipline against those who aren't nice, and the only worship is of a God whose definition of nice is coterminous with our very own at every point. Ours is a kinder and gentler deity, they say, a God without wrath who is bringing a people without sin into a kingdom without judgment through the ministrations of a Christ without cross. Those aren't my words, but were written in 1938 by Richard Niebuhr, who was by no definition a fundamentalist. In this morning's gospel, we find gentle Jesus, meek and mild, preaching to his disciples what many Episcopalians find today to be a very harsh thing. He says that at the second coming, he will sit upon a throne of judgment and separate the good from the wicked and cast the latter into the eternal fire. Now, when someone comes to our church to visit us for the holiday season, this is not the first message we're going to tell them now, are we? Are you going to the bad place or the good place? That's not what we're known as Episcopalians, and that's not what we're known as people at St. Peter's. So if you're uncomfortable sitting in your pew, I am uncomfortable too. If Jesus were in an Episcopalian election today, 
to be a bishop and preach the sermon like this, he wouldn't make it through the past first ballot. And he sure as heck wouldn't get consents from the rest of the diocese. But Jesus isn't running for office. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And what's more, we don't get a vote. We only get a choice. And this choice is subject to what I'd like to speak to you about this morning. One day, all of us will stand before the throne of Christ the King. And on that day, we will give an account of the lives we have lived as subjects of His kingdom. And in that moment, He won't ask whether we have accepted Him as our personal Lord and Savior. He already knows. He won't ask us to regale Him with our positions on theology, politics, morality, or Aaron Rodgers. He will measure us in relation to His position. In short, He won't ask, have you been nice? That's Santa Claus. He'll ask, have you been faithful? And believe you me, the question will be multiple choice and not an essay. Jesus' only criteria for faithfulness will be the great commandment. Have you loved me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength by loving your neighbor as yourself? I can imagine that some in that moment will say, instead of answering the question, well, I donated to the church, I volunteered at a food ministry, and I even helped out with a, a Christmas fundraiser and baked some baklava. Mother Esgi is very happy about that. That's not Jesus. Jesus will reply, well, that's very nice. Did you do it because of you or because of me? You see, the king will not be interested in our attempts to release our guilt for privilege, our desire to feel needed in life, or our ploys to earn our way into his good graces. Jesus doesn't give brownie points for the self-actualized and the smarmy. Jesus' concern is that the reality of who I am as your king and lord shape the way you believe into a reality of who they are. Friends, this really is the difference Jesus was getting at when he used the image of the sheep and goats. The sheep and goats are in many ways similar. They both have four legs. I googled. Split-hooved, chat-chewing uh, flock animals. There are, however, notable differences. Sheep tend to follow the shepherd into greener pastures, and goats tend to do their own thing and eat whatever they find. Sheep are also fairly placid, whereas goats are known for being more willful and pugnacious. I believe that these are the distinctions between Jesus' metaphor. The Reformed theologian R.C. Sproul once said, the difference between sheep and goats is that when God speaks to sheep, they say, yes, Lord. When God speaks to the goats, they say, yes, Lord, but, but, but. 
That's what goats do. They butt. I have seen some goats in my life, but I won't name names. Sprawls, play on words, is significant here, I think. Just as goats tend the butt when shepherds try to herd them, spiritual goats tend to butt heads with the good shepherd when he tries to lead them into the way they should go. In this day and time, to be called a sheep is to be accused of blind conformity and stupidity. But this isn't true to the, the ancient Near East world. Sheep aren't dumb. They simply are smart enough to trust those who have been proven trustworthy. Goats, on the other hand, prefer to go their own way and often to be goaded by their herders into the right paths. I think it's interesting that in the modern mainline churches, folks like me who believe in cl classical Christianity are often referred to pejoratively as sheep. If following Jesus makes us sheeps, then let it be. I'm not about to butt heads with the shepherd king whose feast we celebrate today. Later in today's gospel, when Jesus highlights the distinction between the sheep on his right and goats on his left, he does so in terms of feeding the hungry, watering the thirsty, welcoming the stranger, clothing the naked, and visiting the sick and imprisoned. On its face, Jesus seems to be advocating salvation based on social justice. Liberal Protestants love this passage, but they misread it. Jesus is not saying, because you do these things, you're right with me. Instead, he is saying, you are right with me. You do these things. This is an important distinction. And the text doesn't provide a divine mandate for social action. You can find something like that in other texts, but not here. Because you're right with me, you do these things. What do they say? They will know you as Christians by our love. Jesus is describing people who have the spirit of the sheep and those who are true subjects of the king. Here's the point. The sheep in the story did what they did, not because they wanted to, to get the king's attention or reward. They did it because they loved and honored their king. And that makes all the difference. The sheep of the good shepherd shouldn't be motiva motivated either by dreadful fear or by selfish gain. That is goat behavior. Instead, they follow Jesus as a benevolent shepherd king who laid his life for the sheep. On this feast of Christ the King, do you know the Jesus about whom I've been talking about? Are you seeking to just ingratiate yourself to him, or are you resting in the glories of his amazing grace? Are you being good in the hopes of getting good or in the words of the old Christmas song, are you being good for goodness sake? When you stand and when I stand before the throne of the great king, these are the questions 
that Jesus will answer. Have you been faithful? Have you loved? And has your life shown actions of that love? And that question will be the difference between the eternity with the fold or eternity within the non-fold. Let love govern your life, not efforts to gain that love. Know this, true love comes from boundaries and consequences. And that is what Jesus is talking about today. Amen.